Good morning, Woodland. I am so glad to see you, and uh, this is going to be a good day. It's going to be a good morning. I appreciate the praise team for coming and helping us worship the Lord, and I appreciate the moral support. Now, we are social distance here. There's not a lot of us that are here, but folks that are helping this morning, and we're staying far apart from each other, as been requested. You know, today, I'd like to talk to you about how we can care for one another in this crisis. And we're going to look to God's Word because I believe this is exactly what God would have us to know. I have been in the hospital, as you know, numerous times through my life. And the people that I remember are the people that would just come and sit with me and not give me advice, but just come and sit and be there and pray. Sometimes folks that would just sit there not say a word, but they were just there. They would get a cup of water when I needed water, or they would help with some other uh, necessity and give my parents a break or give my wife a break. It's just those people you remember that cared for you and loved you. And I think one of the common qualities of people who care is this quality of hope that we have in our lives. We can't live without hope for very long. It's been said that people can live, you know, for several days without water or food. It's been said that there are people that can just go extra long distances on very, very little sustenance at all. But I don't know who said it, but I read years ago for someone wrote and said, no one can survive without hope for four minutes. And you know, Jesus Christ is our hope. I, I know that, I believe that, that He is our hope and He's the one that we place our trust in. Studies have shown that students in high school and college, they have a better GPA if they're hopeful students. Athletes have better performance if they're hopeful. Wage earners earn more money if they're hopeful. Entrepreneurs have better success if they're truly hopeful about the work that they're doing. And so I want to look to you before we even talk about caring is how you can have hope during this COVID crisis time. There's a lot of bad news out there, and it is bad. It's, 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 this is a pandemic that we're facing, and I know when it first started happening, I didn't take it as seriously perhaps as I should have taken it because it, I felt like it was just an isolated disease to China, but it wasn't long before it spread around the world and Fortunately, we have not experienced some of the difficulties that other parts of the world have experienced, but it's still a difficult time if you're home, if you're not able to work, if you're homebound, but there is hope this morning. And so what I'd like to do is to go to the Scriptures today, because for Christians, our hope is a who. Our hope is Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the Lord. And I want to look at just briefly a story of a man with a lot of hope. I'm praying that this is going to be over soon. I'm praying that soon we'll all be back here in church together here in this building. I'm praying that it won't be long before all of us are able to resume our normal activities, go back to our jobs, go back to whatever it is that we enjoy doing. I hope that, but I have a reason for that hope because my hope is in Jesus Christ. Now, the background of this story is that Moses is about to turn the leadership of the children of Israel over to his 
mentee named Joshua. Joshua is the one that God has anointed and appointed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses is 120 years old as he relinquishes the leadership to Joshua, but he wants to encourage Joshua, and he wants to encourage the children of Israel. But this is left for you and me as encouragement as well today. And let me read the verse of Scripture to you. And it simply just simply says this, The Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Listen to that again. The Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you. Neither will He abandon you. You know, if you're following along on the app and the notes, you see that I've underlined those words, the Lord will personally go ahead of you, and the Lord will be with you, and He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Family, we can trust in God's care. We can trust in the care of our Heavenly Father. I find it interesting that when Jesus taught us to pray, the way He taught us to pray was to address God as our Heavenly Father. God loves you. God cares for you. And friends, I truly believe, my hope is built upon this, that Jesus Christ is with us in this crisis and that He will personally go ahead of us. And the reason I I base that is, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible says His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with you, God is with me, God is with our church, God was with all believers who put their faith and their trust in Him today. God will personally go with you. The Lord Himself, it's not a a guide. What Joshua needed to know was not that all of the leadership fell upon him, but the Lord was going to go ahead of him. Joshua was a godly guide. I've had some godly guides in my life through the years. I think about my parents. I think about Becky's father and the role he had in mentoring me as a young preacher. I think about two uncles that were pastors that mentored me. I I think about a pastor in my life by the name of Cortez Frazier. I think of Don Van Hoosier, another pastor. I think of the man I used to work for, Dr. Milford Addison, who poured his life into me and And he mentored and and, and guided me in a lot of decisions. But the one overarching hope of my life has always been, I've known that the Lord is with me. And I hope that you have that assurance. I've hired some guides before. I'm not much of a fisherman, but when I've had guests who wanted to go fishing in the Detroit River, I've hired a guide to take us out into the river and The guide has put us right on top of the fish. I hired a guide to take a group of students and myself while caving and spelunking, and he knew the way to to carry us through that mountain as we spent two days inside of a mountain cave exploring with a good guide. Guides are important, but even more important than the guide is knowing that God is with you. Oh, I don't know about you, but that just kind of jazzes me up right now as I remind myself that the Lord is with me. So today, I want to share with you, it's important to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're fearful or you're anxious, then right now, remind yourself of that. Remind your family of that, that God is with you. And the second thing I'd like you to know is that there comes a time in all of our lives 
that if you're going to grow and if you're going to progress, you've got to let go of the guide. I mean, you've got to, to say it's time for you to learn to start out on your own. Uh, when I first started using a computer way back in the dark ages, my first laptop computer was a, was a big monstrosity of a thing with a battery that weighed over five pounds. It wasn't anywhere as powerful as my iPhone that's laying over here to the side. But I had guides, and Mike and Tim, I could call them at any time of the day. They would tell me what commands to enter, how to type them out. But I knew there would come a time I had to learn DOS, and I had to learn how to enter all of those commands. And so there was a time when I had to let go of them as guides, kind of like the training wheels on a bicycle. The purpose of training wheels is to teach you how to ride the bike. The purpose of the guides was to teach me how to use the computer. And you know, this is a point where you and I have got to have a strong, solid, rock-solid faith in Jesus that we know that He's personally with us and He's going to go with us and He will give us the direction we need. And then I want you to see something else. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. I can't name a time, though I've been through some trials and testings. You've been through trials and testing, but I can't name a time where God has failed me ever, ever in my life. He's always been faithful. He's always been there. And this is why the children of Israel needed to know, and this is why Joshua needed to know that God was not going to fail them. And I want you to go back with me, and if you don't know the story, then, you know, the background to this is found in the book of Exodus and is found in the book of Deuteronomy. But the children of Israel, they're about to leave the wilderness, and they're going to cross the Jordan River, and they're going into the land of Canaan. And in Canaan, the tribes of people that lived there, they worshipped all of these gods, lowercase g, gods that were demonic, gods that manifested themselves in their religions that required awful things, from everything from child sacrifice to uh, occultism and witchcraft, as people tried to appease these gods. Archaeology and history confirms this. And before you go, oh, that was just superstition. Friends, you need to remember there are things in this world we cannot explain. We battle against the forces of evil. It's what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. And that's talked about in the book of Ephesians where we have to battle principalities and powers. One time, even Daniel, when he was praying in the book of Daniel, when the Archangel Michael came to him. He said, I would have been here sooner, but I was hindered. There was this battle that was taking place. You remember Jesus met a man, and he cast out of that man many demons. They identified themselves as legion, for they were many, and he set that man free. And so the emphasis here, they're crossing into Canaan, there in Canaan, they're going to meet people who are bound into occultism. They're, they're, they're caught up in the power of this demonic worship. And God is saying, I will not abandon you. God is bigger than any devil. God is bigger than any demon. God is bigger than any power. And when I talk about this, don't think about Hollywood movies. They don't understand what they're writing about. But there are powers that are work right now behind the scenes. I think that want to blind researchers, that want to blind doctors, that, that want to, 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 to take away your hope and cause you to give up. God is with you. He will not abandon you. He will not fail you. He will go with you. 
Let me just give you a personal story about this. Years ago, and I've already heard from some of these students uh, during this time uh, who have texted me or sent me a Facebook message or an email, but years ago I had some students and we were in a, in a foreign city where there was a brothel that was opened and it was heavily trafficked and there was sexual trafficking that took place, people that were brought there uh, against their will and forced into sexual slavery and the, the, the law was ignoring that. So I took a group of students and we stood in front of that brothel. We were quiet. I said, I just want you to pray. We were across the street. I said, I just want you to pray quietly. Uh, don't lift your hands. Don't say anything. Let's see what God will do if we just begin to pray. And do you know what happened? And there are a number of students that could testify to this. Suddenly, windows began to come open in the brothel, and there were these ladies that were looking outside the window. Men would come to the door of the brothel, and they would stop, and they would look around, and then they would walk away. And finally, the owner of the brothel came out and said, we had to leave. They were calling the law. For some reason or another, they said, we were interfering with their business. That's the power of a praying group of people. That's the power of a praying church. So I want to say to you this morning, don't you ever doubt for one instance that God is not in control. God will not fail us. He will not abandon us. And God personally goes ahead of us today. And this morning, what I'd kind of like you to do is to just take a moment and remember who lives inside of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, who lives inside of you? When I was a child, we used to sing this song, Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. The memory of that song has never, ever left me. Jesus lives within my heart. Dick Van Dyke told a story one time about a little girl whose daddy was a doctor. And she came home from children's church and she went and grabbed her dad's stethoscope and put them in her ears and put the stethoscope on her chest and came running into the kitchen and said, Mama, Mama, it's true. Jesus does live in my heart. I can hear him knocking around in there. Jesus lives within us. He lives in our heart. So we don't have an Ark of the Covenant like the children of Israel had when they crossed the Jordan River. Uh, we don't look to any temple. We look into our hearts this morning. So look right down at your chest this morning and remind yourself where Jesus Christ lives. God is going ahead of us. God is going with us. God will never fail us, and God will never abandon us. Come on, Victory. I feel like I could preach this morning, and I hope that you're just kind of following right along with me. One time, the Apostle Paul felt like he was abandoned. But do you know what the Bible says? He had this encounter with Jesus Christ. Listen to this from the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Everyone, now listen, everyone abandoned me. Here at Woodland, we're not going to abandon anybody in this church. But Paul had been abandoned by everybody. And then he prays, may it not be counted against them. But these next words are so powerful. Listen. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for the Gentiles to hear, and he rescued me from certain death. I circled that in my Bible. I underlined that the Lord stood with me. And friends, God is going to stand with you today. 
I know that you may feel alone. I know that you may feel shut in. I know especially if you're a single person or if you're an elderly person and your family is out of town and you're by yourself, I know that you may feel alone, but your church loves you. This family here at Woodland loves you, but God is standing with you today and He will never fail you. God will always, always pay attention to you when you pray. When Pastor Corey was praying just a few moments ago, I I was standing over here at the side looking in my Bible and agreeing with Corey. God pays attention when we pray. The Bible says in Psalms 34 and verse 15, the Lord pays attention to the godly and hears their cries for help. Hallelujah. So when you pray, God pays attention to you. Sometimes Becky will say to me, I need you to listen to me. And I can repeat every word she says. And she goes, no, I really need you to listen to me. And then I understand it's not a matter of just knowing what she said. It's listening to the emotion. It's listening to her heart. It's listening to what she's feeling. And and I'm not real good with feelings, you know. But I've learned in marriage and with children how to interpret those better, I hope, But here's the thing, God, when He pays attention to you, He's paying attention to much more than your words. He's paying attention to your heart. He's paying attention to your soul. He's paying attention to your condition. He's paying attention to your worries, your fears, your complaints. But He's paying attention to your faith that you are talking to Him. It's all right to complain right now to God. It's all right to go to God and say, I don't understand what's going on. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. And I hadn't planned to to say this this morning, but when I was praying a little earlier this morning, I went to Lamentations chapter 3, and the first word that stood out at me, I, I was going to read verse 24, but I looked up at verse 20. I will never forget this awful time, yet I still dare to hope. You can't live without hope. And hope comes from knowing that God is with us. And then he says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Friend, I'm telling you, there is fresh grace. There is fresh mercy for you today. And don't you dare lose hope in the Lord. Well, that leads me to what I really want to say to you As a congregation, let's be available to care for other people. Let's be available to love them. Let's be able to to serve them. And you might be thinking, well, how can I serve? How can I help when we have this six-foot social distancing? I stopped at the grocery store for Becky yesterday, and and I I did my best to observe the six-foot, and I saw others trying to do the same thing. But there are many ways that we can serve and we can care for one another. And it's just absolutely imperative that we pay attention to those around us. We pay attention to our parents. We pay attention to our siblings. We pay attention to our wife or your husband. We pay attention to our neighbors, our small group, our elderly, our shut-in. We need to know what's going on. And I hope that you will help us and if you're aware of a need that you will communicate through the church app and just send us a communication card so that we can be sure that everyone is cared for and loved. But there are people that you know right now, people that need your prayer, people that need an email or a greeting card, 
people that need a FaceTime call or a Skype call. There are people that you know that you can reach out to and pay attention to. They say this is an unprecedented time. That's absolutely correct. I've never known of a time like this. I never had any training as a pastor to prepare me for a time like this, and neither has any other pastor. But we can still pay attention and we can learn and leave a legacy for those who follow us in case there's something like this that happens again. Last night, or Thursday night, our family watched the Together concert put on by, um, let me look at my notes, King and Country. And I was just fascinated with the technology that everyone was in their house playing their instrument, and somehow or another they were able to sync it all together. But Joel was one of the members of the two brothers that make up King and Country in their band. Joel was holding an iPhone in his hand, and he called up some friends of theirs in England that their wedding had to be postponed because of the COVID crisis. And they were together, and they sang a song to this couple that they loved. And you could just tell, looking at that blurry Facebook picture over the internet, how much this couple was enjoying the song that was being sang to them that was supposed to be sang at their wedding. But Joel said something that just struck me, and I wrote it right down. He said, you know, I am holding you right now in my hand with this iPhone as I sing to you. And friends, you can hold people today by making a FaceTime call or a Skype call. You can hold people close to you just by seeing their face, call them, pray with them, greet them, and love them. I think that God is intentionally allowing us. Now listen, I said that word intentionally, and I believe that, that God is intentionally allowing us to walk through this time together as a congregation so that we learn new ways of how to minister and how to serve. How exciting is that? That we're, we're stretching ourselves. God is stretching us so that we learn new ways to minister and to care and to love other people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 36, He said, I was sick and you cared for me. You know what the context of that was? He says, when we care for the sick, when we care for the hurting, when we care for our neighbors, we're caring for Jesus. So if you're taking food to someone that is shut in, if you're praying for someone today, if you're interceding with us, if you're sharing this message with your friends, you're caring for them. And when you care for them, you're caring for Jesus. Years ago, I had the privilege of preaching at the Buntane Church in Kolkata, India, and then teaching in the nursing school. I wasn't teaching nursing. I was teaching the Bible and about compassion and mercy. And then also having the time to go to Mother Teresa's Leprosorium and there to pray, to bathe, to, to give water, just to be with people. I didn't even speak Bengali. I, I didn't know the language but I can recall sitting with patients and giving them a glass of water or bathing their face. And they would talk to me, and all I could do was smile. All I could do was say that Jesus loves you and let somebody else interpret. And I could pray. I could hold them. And friends, in my mind's eyes, though these, and I can still see their faces as I'm talking to you, I knew that somehow, some way, I was caring for Jesus. I believe with all my heart that God has allowed us to go through this time 
so that we're not so self-centered. If I am self-centered, I'm going to lose hope. If I'm focused on myself, I'm going to lose hope. If I'm focused on me and my family only, I'm going to lose the anointing. You're going to lose that anointing. God gives us an anointing to serve and to love other people in His name. He said, when I was sick, speaking of sick people, you cared for me. I want to tell you one more story about that trip. There was a young man who had a colostomy. I've had two colostomies in my lifetime because of illnesses. And uh, Mrs. Buntain, Mark Buntain's widow, asked me if I would go and spend a day with this young man. He processed all the cards that came in for their children's feeding programs, and he did it out of a bed. And so I went to his very small but clean apartment, very tidy, very neat, and I spent the day with him. I helped him process cards. We talked. He asked me questions about when I had had the same condition and gone through a similar circumstance. Well, we spent the day praying together. I didn't give him any advice. I listened to him. I answered his questions that he asked me. Well, I flew home after having been there for a little over two weeks. I flew home, and on my way back home, I began to get very ill and sick. And to make a long story short, I ended up having five major surgeries over three years, and I ended up having to have a colostomy again. And thankfully, it was reversed. I only had to have it for three months, but it saved my life, and I'm so thankful for that. But the entire three months, guess who was writing me and emailing me? It was the man that I had comforted in the name of Jesus that was now comforting me. I'm telling you, when you sow into other people's lives, there will come a time quicker than you expect when they will begin to pour back into your life, that's how the economy of the kingdom works. So I encourage you, reach out, check up on one another, know what's happening in people's lives, and, and pray for them and love them. And I'm just, I realize I'm running out of time here, so let me just kind of skip ahead. Uh, when you check up on each other, make a call, ask if there's any way you can help or serve. Maybe if they're shut in, you can drop groceries at their door. Maybe you can offer to pray. Maybe you can offer to invite them. If you have a small group, I know some of our small groups here at the church now are meeting through Zoom or they're meeting through Facebook. They've set up groups where they can meet together. They're not necessarily together as a group, but they're meeting together. The Bible says this in Psalms 38:11: My loved one and friend stayed away fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Beloved, I know it's easy to be afraid of this coronavirus. I was very conscious in the grocery store yesterday. There are people that I love that are in the hospital right now. Thankfully, so far, none of them have been identified from our fellowship with the COVID virus. I have three friends that live in other places that are in the hospital right now with the COVID virus. But I am so thankful for people who are not afraid of the disease, like doctors and nurses. I'm thankful for the technicians that have not abandoned them. And even if you can't go into the room with someone that is sick, or even if you're maintaining social distance, you can still stay in touch by the phone. Or again, I think the better way right now is to use all of the 
technology that we have to actually speak to one another over our screens. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 14, Paul wrote about a sickness that he had, and listen to the words he wrote to the Galatians. He says, even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me. You did not turn away from me. No, you took me in, and you cared for me as though I was an angel from God or even from Christ Jesus himself. I don't know what all this is going to require of us at this time. At this time, it doesn't seem to be necessary if you're not medical personnel or you're not in some essential business that we come in contact with people with the COVID virus. But at some point, we may need to just, you know, gown up, face mask up. We cannot fail to be the church. We have to be risk takers if it comes to that. It's one of the things that made the early church so powerful and attractive. They realized their anointing came to serve, not to defend themselves, but their anointing came to serve. So they would go to those who had, that were struck by the bubonic plague. They would go to those that had been cast off with leprosy, and they would bring them into their lives, and they would love them. We're not at that point yet, but my challenge is do not be afraid And Jesus recognizes that we fear. How many times do you read the New Testament where he says to us, do not be afraid, do not fear. Friends, the perfect love of Jesus Christ cast out all fear. Then I would say something else to you. Strive to cheer one another up. Cheer one another up. Uh, Pastor Mike on the Woodland Kids page is telling dad jokes this morning. I can't wait to listen to them later to share with my grandsons. But you know, he told me yesterday, he said, dad jokes aren't meant to be funny. But when I hear a dad tell them, I laugh, not at the joke, but at the dad for even telling those jokes. And sometimes I tell a joke and I can see people laugh and it's just something about cheering up. But it doesn't just have to be humor. Call people and just let them know you love them. Remind them that you care for them. I've had calls this week of folks just to say to me, hey, I just wanted to call to tell you I love you. I just wanted to call to tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. And I can't begin to express my gratitude to them for them taking time to say hello to me. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 8, listen to what the Bible says. Paul is sending a young pastor to cheer up, to encourage the church. He says, this is why I'm sending him to you in order to cheer you up by telling you how all of us are getting on. I need to know how you're doing. It will cheer me up to know how you're doing. It will cheer our staff up. It will cheer our small group leaders up. Touch base with your small group leader. Touch base with your ministry leaders. Touch base with the pastors in this church. You will cheer us up as you stay in touch with us and let us know what's going on in your life. Years ago, I read the story of a Nigerian pastor. His name is Pastor Sunday. Sunday was his first name, and so I'll just call him Pastor Sunday. And as you know, there's a great rift between the Christians and the Muslims in parts of Africa. And when I was, some of the trips that I've made to Africa, I've not been able to go to certain parts because of the conflict between uh, the Christians and the Muslims. There are fanatics on both sides. There is fanaticism on both sides. But in this one particular case, Pastor Sunday's church and his home was burnt to the ground. 
Fortunately, nobody in his church lost their life. Fortunately, nobody else's home was burnt to the ground but Pastor Sunday's. But as Pastor Sunday went through the community that week, Muslim neighbors and Muslim people would come out to him and say, we just want to thank you. There has not been any retaliation from the Christians for the horrible thing that happened to your, your church and happened to your home. We just want to thank you for the way you've taught your people to love like Jesus and to forgive. And that Sunday, when Pastor Sunday and his church gathered in a little community building, he said three things to them. He said, first of all, he says, I am thankful the church was not burned down. And everybody looked at them. And he says, what do you mean? He goes, our building was burnt to the ground, but you're the church. And here we are gathered as the church. And here you and I gathered online together as the church this morning. <clears throat> he said, the second thing, I want to thank you and thank the Lord that there has been no retaliation from this church body, but the love of Jesus Christ has been shown and shared with our community. And then the third thing he said, and I'm thankful that they burned my home. He said, because if they hadn't have burned my home, I would have never felt and I would have never experienced inside what it means for someone to lose their home and all their earthly possessions. Friends, what a powerful, powerful testimony. I believe the time is going to come when we're going to thank God for allowing us as a church to pass through this time together because of what we're going to learn. And then let's pray for one another. There's power in prayer. God answers prayer. God hears your prayer when you pray. Listen, when people pray, miracles happen. Once a famous archbishop by the last name of Trench said, he didn't know how to explain it, but the more people prayed, the more coincidences happened. When you pray, God answers your prayer. Listen to 3 John chapter 2. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. It's the will of God to heal. If it wasn't the will of God to heal, why would we take people to doctors? Sometimes people will say to me, well, maybe it's not the will of God to heal somebody. Well, if that's the case, then why are we taking medicine and why do we go to doctors? Of course it's the will of God to heal. Now, I can't explain why everybody is not healed. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to preach the Word of God. And my purpose is to pray, <clears throat> and your purpose is to pray with me, that we will prosper and we will be in good health even as our soul grows in the grace and the favor of the Lord. And I'm asking you to have faith when you pray. I'm asking you to trust Jesus and to believe with me that God will heal the sick. The Bible records one time in Matthew 13 and verse 58 that Jesus could only do a few miracles because of all of their unbelief. So let's don't doubt, let's don't scoff, but let's express, let's manifest our faith in God, and let's pray bold, audacious prayers, asking God for a miracle. Agree with Pastor Corey as he prayed for the researchers to find a cure to this disease. And then I want to close with this thought this morning. Friends, God loves you. He loves you so very much. You have no idea the depth of God's love for you. I wish we could pan over to our cross here in the sanctuary and I could one more time point you to the cross as I always do. You know, the Apostle Paul says, I don't want to boast in anything except for the cross of Christ. Why is the cross such a sacred symbol for Christians? 
is because the cross reveals the love of God for us. The cross reveals how much God hated sin and how much He loved you. You see, God hated our sin, but He loved you. Somebody said to me recently, it's offensive to say that you hate the sin but love the sinner. Well, if you believe that, then you believe God is offensive. And I happen to believe that God so loved the world so much, for God so loved the world, so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, gave Him at a cross to shed His blood for our sins so that we could become His children and be free from the worst disease ever. And that's the disease of our sin that separates us from God and brings in all of the horrible things that happen in our world. You know, Jesus is referred to oftentimes as the great physician. He's the cure for sickness. He's the cure for sin. He's the cure for anxiety. He's the cure for worry. He's the cure for fear. He's the cure for disease. He's the cure for everything that you could think about in your life. He's the cure for your finances if you will just trust Him with everything that you have. And He cares about you. Listen to Matthew 9 and verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, He had compassion on them. That word is, 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 comes from a, a deep-seated love. God sees you as an individual. God doesn't see us as a mass of people. He sees us as a church, but He sees every individual in this building, just like I see my children and my grandchildren. God sees you. He loves you. He has compassion because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And some way or somehow you may have tuned in to this Facebook Live or YouTube Live or you're watching it later and it's being rebroadcast and you're not even sure why you stayed so long to, to hear me speak this morning. But God has arrested you and He's kept you there because you're harassed, you're restless, you've been looking. You're like a sheep without a shepherd. Your relationships haven't satisfied you. Your finances haven't satisfied you. Your career, your education. You know, you've been self-medicating. Whatever you could do to try to feel better in life and to find a purpose, I want you to know there is a God who loves you who gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrificial lamb. That means that Christ was the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could permanently take away our sins and prepare us to be with God forever in heaven. And He loves you that much. And that's why you're listening right now. And I'm asking you to consider putting your faith and putting your trust in Jesus Christ this morning and ask Him into your heart. You need Jesus Christ to heal you. And the Bible says this. Now listen. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15 and verse 10. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. The night I repented of my sins and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, friends, there was joy in heaven. And when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, there was joy in heaven. And I'm telling you today, if you cross the line and you take this step of faith to say, Jesus Christ, I love you. I give my heart to you. You will find great joy, not only in your heart, but there will be great joy in heaven today. You say, Pastor Clanton, how do I do that? It's really simple. You just simply say, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. 
and I want to give my heart to you today. So I'm going to ask you, if you're at home, on your sofa with your family, would you join me in prayer? And let's pray together right now. Father, thank you that you will personally go ahead of us during this COVID crisis. Thank you that, Lord, you will not fail us and you will not abandon us. (laughs) And, Lord, I thank you this morning that you have given us a special anointing from the Holy Spirit to be able to serve and to care for others. That when we pray, when we cheer one another up, the Lord, when we call and check up on our neighbors and our family, Lord, that you're going to give us divinely inspired ideas. You're going to show us ways that we can care and show the love of Jesus. I believe this is going to be Woodland's finest hour in ministry. And Lord, finally this morning, I pray for everyone. Remind us of your incredible, your amazing love for us. And for those people who are listening this morning that uh, have decided now's the time, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you grant them a sense of your presence as they pray with me right now? So friend, why don't you just close your eyes, bow your head, and pray with me. Just pray something like this. And if you pray it and mean it, I promise you God is going to forgive you and make you a brand new person in Him. Pray something like this. said, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for touching me with the good news that you sent your Son to do what I couldn't do for myself. And that's to forgive and cleanse me from my sins. Thank you, Heavenly Father for accepting my prayer and saving me today. Make me the man or the woman that you originally intended me to be. I don't understand it all, but as much as I know how, I give my heart to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, if you did that, I'm telling you there's rejoicing in heaven. I'm rejoicing because I, somehow or another, I just know there are people that are praying with me right now. And I want to help you in your new walk with Christ. If you would email us here at Woodland Church, just send an email to office at woodland.church. I have something I'd love to either email to you or if you'll give me your physical address, we'll mail you something from our church to help you in your walk with Christ. Uh, We won't try to knock on your doors or anything like that. If, If you do need help, you know, please let us know that. But we want to help you get started in your new life with Jesus Christ today. So parents as well, I I want to encourage you, be sure your kids go to the Woodland page for Timber Ridge. Uh, Be sure that your students are checking in with Pastor Corey, and he's got Google Hangouts going on for them. I don't even know what that is, but I need to become part of one of them. But he's got things going on for your students, and staying connected with you. Check in with your small group leaders, and do me a favor, check in with our Woodland app. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, download our app today so that you can... uh, Be kept up to date and be a part of what's going on. And finally, please don't forget, if the church is to continue its ministry, then we need you to be faithful with your tithes and your offerings. The very best way you can do that is set up your recurring giving. Uh, If you go to our app or our website, woodland.church, you can just click the, the button to give, and it will walk you through all the steps. Or you can simply text to Woodland Church to give. But God bless you. Help us remember our missionaries, all of our ministries, and help us to continue to have a strong ministry here together. I love you. 
The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And the Lord calls everything you to do to prosper and to be blessed in his name. Amen.